Aren't you glad the timing of the Lord is perfect? So Ezra before church today. I was going to say to him, so when are you going to start playing your violin and worship? About two minutes later, he came up to me and he said, hey, can I play my violin in the worship team? Sister Glidell already stole my thunder, but uh, he was playing those four or five notes, whatever it was, and rehearsing in our ears. Great are you, Lord. How great is our God. You know, I told uh, CJ last week he did something in chapel at, at school. And we found out about it after the fact. He was like, I didn't think that you would care. I think it was a big deal. I play my guitar every week in church. I said, listen, do I go to all your basketball games? Do I go to everything that you're involved in, all your sports? Well, of course you do. I said, well, doing that brings me far more joy than seeing you throw a ball through a hoop. It's far more important to me. Yes, I enjoy watching you play a game. But you being a worshiper is the most important thing to me. Serving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Worshiping in spirit and in truth. I have a question for you today. And that is Are you hungry? Not, are you hungry for lunch? But are you hungry for the Lord? Are you hungry for more of Him in your life? Are you hungry for a move of the Spirit in the house? Are you hungry for a move of the Spirit in your home? Are you hungry? Do you truly want all that God has for you? Do you desire to walk in the fullness of all that he has? Do you desire to be involved in services where the Lord completely takes over? Then how do we get that? What do you think that we have to be? Let's turn to Acts chapter 2 and find out. (coughs) 
Acts chapter 2, verse 1 says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, fully come, they were with what? What's those next two words? With what? One accord. And they were in what? One place. Now imagine after the day of Pentecost and those that were in the upper room, and there were those that were believers that were around that were not able to be there for whatever reason. Maybe they got the invitation. Maybe they chose not to go. But can you imagine when they came down and pe people said, listen what Peter said. Listen to these words. He, he quoted from the prophet Joel. And then after the fact, they said, what shall we do? And he gave these beautiful words. We know the story, and that's what we're going to talk about. But here's what I want you to, to understand. Those that really, truly wanted to be there, but for whatever reason were prevented. Do you think when they heard the, the story of what it was told and what really happened, do you think it had, with the, the, the impact was diminished? Do you think that possibly it was a situation where it's kind of like, well, I guess you had to be there. The good news is for us is that the Lord is saying that yesterday, today, and forever. So he can move and we can be impacted by this story even today, 2,000 years later. However, however, to be in that room. To be in that room. Because they were in one Accord, and they were in one place yes, <clears throat> together yes. with one heart, one purpose, and one mind. Yes. It says in verse 2 when all those, these two things happened in conjunction with one another, one accord, one place, then suddenly. Not after nine hours, but suddenly there was a sound that came from heaven. Is it your desire to hear a sound today? Came a sound. Because they are in one accord. Well, that's just the Old Testament, Clark. I mean the New Testament. Okay. Let's turn to Second Chronicles 5. Looking at the latter portion of this chapter here, we see this as a dedication of, of the temple. And I've loved this portion. It started in verse 13, being so intricately involved in worship now for more than two decades. And it came to pass when the trumpeters and the singers were as, what's that word again? One. One. To make, how, what kind of sound? One sound. To be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted their voice with trumpets and cymbals and trumpet instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying... Dre, we've got to write a song that has this in here somehow. Because every single time in Scripture this, these two stanzas go together, something happens. For the Lord is good and His mercies endure forever. When they declared He is good, 
But prior to that, it didn't say that the trumpeters, one guy was playing in one key and another guy was playing in another. But they made one sound because they're in one accord in one place. And when this happened, look at the end of verse 13, that the house, the house of the Lord, His house, a house dedicated to Him, a house consecrated to him, not one that was given over to Baal and given to idol worship, and then they just decided to all of a sudden, I think I might worship today. Hear this now in your life, and you dedicate your life from Monday through Saturday to the world and then come in on Sunday and try to worship him. No, your life is dedicated to him. It was his house. You are his habitation. Seven days a week. Or you're not at all. Sorry. That may be hard. But this entire day, for three weeks, I wrestled with this word. Three weeks. I said, Lord, I've never really given anything that's a matter of uh, encouragement. How about that? But here's what I came down to. I felt the Lord say to me this. Do you love your children? Of course. Do you correct them? Absolutely. Do you do it out of anger? Absolutely not. Do you do it out of love? For whom the Lord loves, he chastens. I'm not here to correct you, but I am here to encourage us today. Because if we're living in one way six days a week and come in here and expect to be something different, it doesn't work. We know in Scripture it talks about that. It's called being lukewarm. And what does he do? The word is he vomits you out of his mouth. That's disgusting. But it's so, you know what it is when, you, when your body rejects something? It, the Lord has designed us to get it out. We ha- it's something foreign in my body. I have to get it out. It does not, it's do- not beneficial to me. I've got to get it foreign. Not something that I can identify with. Are you li- hearing me? The Lord is not identifying with us being back and forth and lukewarm and acting one way and then coming in here and acting like we're something else. He's going to eliminate, he's going to purge that from himself because he is holy and he will only draw those to his side that are as well. It's not our holiness because of the cross of Jesus Christ is blocked by that sign. But we know the cross is right here. It's his holiness, not ours. It's his righteousness. But we have to allow him to work. We can't willfully disobey six days a week then come in here and act a different way. So I finally heard him say, do you love my people enough to have an uncomfortable conversation? And I just said, Lord, give me grace to speak your word of truth and lay everything else aside. But they are in one place. And the trumpeters sound. Verse 13 again, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud. So much so, see in verse 14, okay, it was cloudy, it was foggy, we had a little wispy cloud here, what did that do? But watch, 
It was such a cloud that the priest could not continue ministering. It was so weighty. It was so heavy. The glory of the Lord was so weighty. I can just see him bending over. Not even being able to speak. Just almost as if they were it, they could feel the wave and the weight of the glory of the Lord just pushing them down. You can see them prostrate on their face before the Lord. Singing for the Lord he is good and his mercies endure forever. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. I don't know about you, but that's my desire for this house. <laughs> that we would have the glory. That we couldn't even stand to play our instruments. That the glory be so heavy that pastor couldn't even stand to come and minister. But the Lord would just come and move. He would come and blow on this house. That his glory would fill our hearts and your homes. Your glory. Just like Moses, Lord, we desire to see your glory. You know why? Not so we can just have a great experience and say that was really neat. Mark this time, June 2016, we had a, a weighty experience in God, but it brings change. You cannot stand in the presence of the Almighty Lord and not be changed. It's not possible. Not possible. Let's turn to Luke 5. I ask you the question again. Are you hungry? Are you hungry? The word started spreading about Jesus. People started hearing about the things that he was doing. And people wanted to see. People wanted to come and see this guy. Wouldn't hear the words that he was saying. There were words like they had never heard before. There's something different about what he says and, and the things that he's saying to us. I have to come see him. And it says, so it was in verse 1 in chapter 5, as a multitude pressed about him to hear the word of the Lord, that he stood by the lake and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from there and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put a little further out on land, and he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. So we see here, it doesn't say, and this is something that is beautiful, because sometimes people would come to Jesus and they wanted something from him. I need healing. I need a blessing. I need something. But it says here that they were pressing toward him so that they could do what? Hear the word of the Lord. That's all they wanted. They were hungry for the word of the Lord, so much so that they pressed against him that he had to get into a boat because they were about to push him into the water. The crowds were pressing forward. They said, i got to see. I want to hear. i got to get so close that I want to be right next to him. So much so that he had to go out into a boat. I can imagine some of them probably waded out into the water. And said, I don't care if I get wet. I got to talk to them. I got to hear from this guy. I got to press on. Are we hungry? Are we that hungry? 
that we would press. Hungry for his word. Let's turn to Psalm 42. beautiful thing is, is that we have some promises. You know, I'm sitting here talking about hunger. You're probably starving now. And besides what the Lord's given me, I got no physical food for you. Might have a mint or two back here, but that's not going to get you much. But the nice thing about this is we are told that if we hunger and thirst for righteousness sake, what? We shall be? Yes. We're not just hungry. We're not just hungry. Micah was going to bed one night, and he was singing a song. What do you say? I'm hungry. Uh, what is it? Micah's hungry. And he's singing it over and over, right? I'm messing up the tune, but it doesn't matter. And they said, Mommy, say no. Mommy, say no. Right, buddy? Do you do that? Yeah. But he was hungry for something to eat. Probably wasn't. He was just delaying him going to bed. We're wise to that, kids. Okay, kids, time to go. But I'm starving. Oh, really? For the last two hours, you haven't mentioned it. But of course, it's bedtime now. You're starving. But mommy, say no. We're not in a situation here where we're asking and hungry for righteousness. And and mommy, say no. No. If we seek after him, we'll find. If we hunger and thirst for his righteousness, we shall be filled. He's not going to reject you. He's not going to turn you away. As a deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants after you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Imagine the most thirsty you've ever been. Desperate for water. That is what we're talking about here. That your soul is desperate for the Lord. That you long for Him like you would water on a thirsty day when you've been working outside and it hasn't rained in a few days and you're mowing the lawn and all that dust just blowing up in your face. You got cotton mouth. Or you're playing a sport, you're running a race, and you're so thirsty. That is how he wants us to long for him. Are we hungry? Let's flip over to chapter. 107 in Psalms. Verse 8, we say, The old that men would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness, for His wonderful works to the children of men. For He satisfies the longing soul and He fills the hungry soul with goodness. Once again, folks, we see here that He will satisfy you when we long for Him. He's not going to leave you alone. He's not going to leave you hungry. It's not going to leave you thirsty. Matthew 5, 6, we already quoted it. Blessed are you, which hungry and thirst you shall be filled. 
been reading in the book of Hosea. What a tragic, tragic book. Let me ask you this, for those that don't know his story and those that do, be reminded. If the Lord told you that your spouse is going to be unfaithful to you numerous times, would you go and marry them? Don't answer that. I already know your answer. But Hosea dedicated his life so much that he used, he walked and lived this. Israel had turned his back and been adulterous toward its God. Hosea was coming to speak the word of the Lord to cause them to return to him. And as a symbol of this, the Lord told him to take a bride who was a harlot who was going to be unfaithful to him. And he knew it going in. We're not going to read the full story of his life, but I do want to point out a few things here. Turn to chapter 2. Verse 13, it says, this is talking about the Lord is speaking of Israel, its unfaithful people. Verse 13, I will punish her for the days of the veils to which she burned incense. She has given herself over to this idolatrous God, these idols. She decked herself with earrings and jewelry and went after her lovers, but me she forgot, says the Lord. She'd forgotten her king. But we see here in chapter 3, he doesn't leave him there. It's not the end of the story. Verse 1, the Lord said to me, Go again, love a woman who is loved by a lover, and committing adultery, just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel, who look to other gods and love the raisin cakes of the pagans. So I bought her for myself for 15 shekels of silver one and one half homers of barley and said to her you shall stay with me many days and shall not play the harlot nor shall you go to another, have another man so too will I be toward you Gomer you've been unfaithful to me but I'm going to be regardless of that I'm going to be faithful to you and he went, and I love the picture of this, and he purchased her redemption. She was enslaved to one of those men that she had an adulterous affair with. And he went and bought her back. Even after the fact that she had been unfaithful. What does this sound like? The Lord sees this adulterous nation. He sees this adulterous people. And he says, I'm willing to go and buy you back. I'm willing to redeem you because of my eternal love for you. We've been redeemed. This fickle people, this lazy people, this self-centered people, I will go to them and I will purchase their redemption. Not because of what they've done to me or for me, but for one simple reason. My love for them. 
Look in chapter 6. He calls them to repent. Come, let us return to the Lord. For he has torn, but he will heal us. He has stricken, but he will bind us up. After two days he will revive us, and on the third day he will raise us up, that we may live in his sight. We talked about it on Wednesday, and I would encourage you to come on Wednesdays. We've, we, I know it's difficult. It is. It is difficult to get here, and it's difficult, but I've been really enjoying it. And one, one guy on, Brother Jim, actually, on Wednesday, he brought out, and I thought it was beautiful timing with this, that if it wasn't for the judgment of God, we would have no need for his mercy. Which is so true. Come let us return. He has tore, broken us to pieces, it says in a song, but he is torn and he'll heal us. If we're not torn, we don't need to be healed. Because of his judgment, when we have not acted right, which is just and justifiable, but even in that, he is merciful. Because none of us get truly what we deserve, all that is coming to us. But if it wasn't for his justice, there's really no reason for his mercy. Because everything is great. Everything you do is allowable. Everything you do is justifiable. But he's good. And it's correction. Out of love and care for us. We used to sing a song that came directly from verse 3 here. Let us press on to know the Lord. His going forth is as certain as the sun. He'll come to us like the rain. That rain that we're talking there, it says right here in this verse, it says the former and the latter rain. Remember, we talked about this before. The former rain is what breaks up the soil. The latter rain is what brings the increase. It says in another passage that he brings the former and the latter rain together. Not only is he breaking up our ground, our dry ground, but also he's bringing the increase right after the fact. So those that have been dry, maybe not pressing on in the Lord. Because he encourages here to press on. Like those people in Luke 5, they were pressing on. Why? To know, to hear from the Lord. That's the next part. His going forth is as certain as the sun rising in the east. Is there ever a morning where you're like, oh, I hope the sun comes up? The fact that he is coming, the fact that he's willing to meet you is as certain as that sun rising. When? What do we do first? We have to press on in him. Do you see a common theme here? Whenever we hunger for him, he is faithful and just to meet you. We have to press on first. Notice that. It says, let us press on to know the Lord. And then his going forth is as certain as the sun. It's not, oh, he's going to come. And then, by the way, if you really, if it feels right, uh, if you have time today, if you don't have anything else in your schedule, then I guess you can press on and know the Lord. Because I tell you what, there are going to be a people that are going to press on in him. The question is, Will you be a part? Or will you just have to hear about it and say, well, I guess you had to be there. I 
I love the idea of the former and the latter rain. Not only does he prepare the way, but he provides the opportunity. pastor said on many occasions that Jehovah Jireh, one of the interpretations of that word Jireh is employment. Yes? So not only are we, we are asking a lot of times, Lord, we want your provision. We want the Lord your provision. It's kind of like that guy that was on the hill. I told the story before where the flood was coming. Lord, save me. And the guy came with the boat. Jump in. No, I'm waiting for the Lord to save me. And the waters kept on rising. Then the guy came with the helicopter. Hey, jump in. No, wait, I'm, the Lord is going to provide for me and I'm, he's going to save me. And of course, the story goes, he drowns and stands before the Lord and says, Lord, why didn't you save me? I sent a boat, I sent a boat and a helicopter. What else do you want? Lord, I have all these bills. I have all these needs. I have these financial things. Here's a, here's a job opportunity. Oh, I thought you were just going to send a check in the mail. Sometimes the Lord's provision looks a lot like work. My kids, they're always one. I say, okay, let's go out and do some, pull some weeds. What? What? Uh, let's help your mom clean the house. Let's do it. Wait a second. Why? I'm part of this family. Yeah, I know. You live here for free. We feed you nine square meals a day for the big one. going forth as a certain as the sun. Certain as the sun. Hosea chapter 11. I just sat and let this passage soak for days. When Israel was a child, I loved him. Out of Egypt, I called my son. As they called him, they went from them. They sacrificed to the veils and burned incense to carve images. And I love the imagery of this next passage here. I taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I drew them with gentle cords, with bands of love. And I was to them as those who take the yoke from their neck. I stooped and I fed them. All of us that have had children have walked behind them with our fingers like this in their hands and as they stumble around. And they walk past your coffee table. My parents used to have this coffee table that had a marble piece on top of it, weighed about 9,000 pounds. And the corners on it were like daggers. It was like the perfect breeding ground for walking babies and stitches. <laughs> But the kids would walk. All three of my kids learned to walk. And around that, that table, or they were around that table at some point in their lives. And every single time, there would be a time, or, and you know that you've done the same thing. They stumble, and you put your hand right over that corner of that table, or that whatever, brick fireplace, or whatever it is, and their head hits your hand, and they bounce off. And they don't get up and thank you. Not once. Not once of my children. I'm trying, we're trying, Gretchen and I are trying to teach our children to have a spirit of gratitude for everything. Yes. This generation is coming up and they expect to see, they're entitled to everything. No gratitude. But those kids, they didn't thank me once. But you know what? I would do it a thousand times more. So the Lord took Ephraim 
by the hand and he taught him to walk. He says that he healed him because there were times that Ephraim fell and hit his head, but the Lord still did it anyway. He said, I, I, I pulled the yoke off of their shoulders, that weight that was bearing them down. And he said, I stooped and I fed them. Got down to right where they were in all their mess. Wasn't too good for them. But the key is he doesn't leave us there, right? Grabs us by the hand. Pulls us out of our miry clay. But he taught Ephraim to walk. That ingrateful, idolatrous, fickle, selfish people. He delivered them from the bondage that they are in through the waters of the Red Sea. So grateful for his deliverance, for his love for us, even when we're ungrateful. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine last night, and I said, you know, I'm careful at times. Sometimes in my prayer, I don't do it all the time, but sometimes in my prayer life, I say, Lord, thank you for all those things that you kept me from that I never even knew about. Lord, the times that you took my car and you had me change lanes or the time that you had me go a different way or, or there was a traffic jam so I decided to go this way or that I made a decision to go to the grocery store or not to go to the store. Whatever the case may be, those little things that I, for no reason, I decided to make a, alter my path. Yes. You kept me and I never said thank you. So now, Lord, I express my gratitude because I know there are things just as those little babies when they walk there are times that I would have hit my head and you put your hand over that sharp corner and I never even knew. But you didn't do it just so you'd receive gratitude. You did it out of your love for us. It's never-ending love. I'm zealous for you to reach the full potential of what God has in store for you personally. What are your dreams? I have some questions for you. What are your dreams in God? Where do you desire to be in Him? I think a lot of times, yeah, especially when we're younger, maybe in our immaturity, you ask a, a 10-year-old boy, what do you want to do when you grow up? I want to play in the NBA. I want to play in the NHL. I want to play in the NFL. And they spend half their day doing this. So my question is, for those young men, do your efforts, or women, do your efforts match your desire? So my question is to you today, where you desire to be in God? We say, yes, amen, Brother Clark. I want all the fullness that God has. Yes, we shout and we scream and say, yes, yes. We want all that he has. We want the glory of the Lord so weighty that we can't even stand to speak. But do your efforts match your desire? A lot of people want to be successful in business but aren't willing to do the things that are required 
to be successful. A lot of people want to be in great shape, but aren't willing to put in the hours in the gym. A lot of us want to have a successful marriage, but aren't willing to put in the effort required to be loving, patient, kind, thoughtful, selfless, considerate to our spouse. Probably because that list is so long. And it could have been longer. But we want these things. We desire these things. If we truly sit back and we consider, of course, we want all these things. But will we really, truly do our efforts mirror that? A lot of people want to grow in the Lord, but unwilling to surrender themselves to his direction. Instead of saying, Lord, what do you have for me? What direction I should go? We say, Lord, I'm going in this direction. Put your stamp of approval on it. Lord, I'm going to fast and pray so that you can line up with the things that I want. When all the while, the train's going that way. And we're pulling against it and wondering why it's such a struggle. A lot of people want the blessing of the Lord and the benefits of His peace in their lives, but they're unwilling to submit to His precepts and follow His guidance. We expect God results, but aren't willing to follow God's order. We talked about the entitlement of this generation. You know, it's, there's really no surprise to me that the younger generation is so fired up about Bernie. Because we've become accustomed to wanting and longing for all the fruits of someone else's labor. We were talking last night. CJ's driving. And, uh, you know, we're, we're teaching them about roads. And we're on 9 Mile, we're on 10 Mile, we're on Taft, we're on whatever. And when we give them direction, we'll say, okay, and you're going to turn left next on Taft, which is two miles up. And then we drive through a road, we cross over another major street, we say, well, what was the name of that road? We're trying to teach his mind to recognize what roads are. And somehow or another got up in, in the conversation of, oh, I know why. I was mentioning how my freshman year in college, I went to, was going to schoolcraft and I got completely lost. I had no idea where Six Mile and Haggerty was, and I grew up at Five Mile and Merriman. Can you imagine that? But anyways, we were like, Gretchen and I were talking, we're like, how did we find out where to go without GPS? I don't even remember. You called up where it was and say, where are you? What are the directions there? I mean, it, you couldn't look up in the phone book. So it was like, that wasn't that long ago, you know? So entitled, though. We have to guard against that, even in the church. I fear sometimes we're satisfied with just showing up and feel like we're doing someone a favor or fulfilling an obligation just for being there. Hey, worship team, I'm here. Make me feel some goosebumps today. Hey, pastor, I'm here. Tell me a story and uh, make sure you're sprinkling a few jokes and, and when you're done, oh, make sure you're done by noon though because I got plans. Hey, I'm doing you a favor. I'm here, aren't I? 
I gave in the basket. And if you're not done by noon, uh, you're going to lose my attention completely, so I might as well, everything you say beyond that is pointless. I would like to speak to the generation of this church that is under 50 for a few moments. As a church, we have to be careful not to rest on the laurels of the generation that has laid the foundation of this house. This house was built on prayer. This house was built on the word of the Lord and a hunger for it. Not just on Sunday, or if you're really spiritual, maybe you go on Wednesday. But it was built on a hunger for the word of the Lord that couldn't get enough. Sister Jackie talks about all the time when she first was saved, and how she would come and knock on the door proverbially and call on the phone my grandfather. Say, what about this? And the previous pastor she had, what about that? You said this this week. Hungry for the word of the Lord. I wonder, I question, are we hungering for his word and his revelation in our own lives? Like a deer that panteth for the water brook. Are we hungry? The pillars of this house have dedicated their lives on the consumption of his word and not being satisfied just what was spoken from the pulpit. We have to hunger for the word ourselves so on the day of temptation we'll be able to respond just as Jesus says, as it is what? Written. But if you don't know what's written, Anthony, you can't respond with that, bro. You can't. If you have no idea what it says, how can you possibly respond with as it is written? You can't respond. Here's the thing. If you've been here on Wednesdays or if you've read the book of Revelation, you know the temptation is coming. It says as in the days of temptation. So they're coming. It doesn't say if they come. It's when they come, will you be able to say and stand as it is written? Or do you say, uh... Hold on a second. Let me get my phone. Let's call pastor. I don't know how to respond to that. He'll know what to say. Yeah, you're right. He will. But do you? Is the word of the Lord grounded in you? Out of the, I've said it seven times over the last week. I don't know how many times. Out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth speaks. If we fill our heart with the word of the Lord, it'll naturally come out. You'll have things come out you didn't even know you knew. Because the Spirit of the Lord will take over. Why? Because you're grounded in the word of the Lord. And that's what this house was built on. Do we hunger like they did? And even those that came before them. Because it was patterned for them. We know that we'll be victorious. And we are victorious. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And the word of our testimony. And we love not our lives unto death. There will be a day, whether it's my generation or the next or a day to come, we sit right here, not making it up, that we will have to stand. And they'll say, are you going to take this mark or not? And if you don't, they're taking your life. 
Are we willing to say, I will not bow? Just like we learned about several months ago, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you're going to do whatever you want, but our God will provide. He will deliver us. You know the good news we shared on Wednesday? Through all of this, there is a provision for his people. Just like in the land of Goshen during the plagues, there is a people that will not bow their knee. There are those that will stand in the face of adversity and say, I stand for Christ. Do what you want with me, but I serve him and no other. I believe that a lot of us want to walk in the success of the Lord. But are we willing to make the sacrifices that's required to get us there? I'm too zealous for your maturation to allow these things to remain unsaid. It's time for us to stop playing church. It's time for us to step up and do our part. It's time for us to stop putting growth off to another day. Otherwise, our generation is going to fall short. You can't say, well, I'll, I'll figure it out and, and I'll really get serious about the Lord when I get married or when I go to college or someday or that ne- next day because guess what? That next time never comes. Because you're all, as soon as you get into that day, you're going to put it off to the next event in your life. And you're going to constantly be chasing this time and kicking the can down the road and saying, I'll do it then, I'll do it then, I'll do it then. And that then never comes. You know, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt... There were over a million people that were delivered. And I looked it up. You know how long in miles it is from the Red Sea to Canaan, the Promised Land? 250. You know how long that takes to walk, give or take? About 40 days. So had they gone directly from their deliverance to their promise. They would have been there in six weeks. But how long did it take them? Forty years. Forty years years of walking around in, in circles. Interesting. One of the wildernesses therein was the wilderness of sin. That's for another day. But I believe that had those people not been longing for where they just were and were hungry for the word of the Lord, that those people could have taken a 40-day journey and walked right into the promise that God had for them. We see later on in Numbers, it talks about that those that were over from the age of 20 and older were not allowed to go into the promised land. Why? Because of their disobedience. So here, here what the word of the Lord is today. Are we going to be, is the Lord going to draw a line in the sand and say, you know what? 
You've been playing games for too long. You've been walking in circles for too long. I'm going to cut this off so the next generation is going to be the one. I don't know about you, but I want that to happen. I want all the promises that he has for his people in my life and in your life. That's why I said I'm zealous for you. I love you too much to allow these things to go unsaid. I can see two things, one of two things happening if we don't make a choice today. As I mentioned, the Lord draws another line and he chooses to pour out his spirit on another generation and not mine. Or even worse, even worse, is that I fail to rehearse the goodness of the Lord to my next generation and they get even further away. That was one of the failures that the children of Israel had. They failed to rehearse his goodness to the next generation. And they got further and further away from their center. We know, we've heard it several times, what we do in moderation, the next generation will do with license. What is it that you're moderately doing? I'll let you chew on that yourself. I, for one, as I mentioned, love you too much to passively sit here and watch either of those two things happen. Will we forget to rehearse or that it skips us? I, for one, am going to stand and to declare what the Lord has to encourage us, to prod us on in all that he has for us. So you say, okay, what does this look like? What does it look like to be hungry for the Lord? I'm glad you asked. It starts with repentance. Lord, forgive us for having a lazy walk with you. We have to make a decision to change our behaviors. Expecting a different result with the same behaviors? We know. Einstein told us the definition of insanity. So if you want the same thing of what you have today, keep doing the same thing you are right now. But if you desire and are truly hungry for what the Lord has, we have to make a decision. Not just today. Not for the next two weeks. It's It's a lifestyle continually are choosing to die to ourselves and choosing life. Choose to this day whom you serve. By the way, here's the answer. Choose life. Next, we have to despise our old ways. If we look back longingly to those things that we have given up, it's not too long that all we're going to do is circle back around and end up where we were. And we lost all that ground. I'm choosing today to walk away from those things. Choosing today to make a decision for you. 
know, this is kind of a little more comfortable over here. I kind of like these things. We have to despise those old ways. Truly seeking after him where? In his word. Spending time in prayer and fasting if that's what it takes. Purposing to spend time in his word every day. If you're a night person, turn your TV off, read at night. If you're a morning person like me, do it before anything else, before anybody else is awake so there's no other distractions. Moms that are home with your kids, do it at a time when the kids are in naps or whatever it is so you don't have, you try to read one verse and you've got to do it with the kid. Try to read another verse and somebody fell down. Got to do this. It's natural. It's what you're, that is what you are there to do. I get it. I'm trying to learn of the Lord while you're in the middle of that. It's not fair to yourself. Or you're not going to get anything out of it. Spending time in prayer every day. Praying in the Spirit every day. Praying the perfect will of the Lord over your life every day. Pattern this for your children by having family devotions every day. Prepare your heart prior to coming to service so that you're ready to pour yourself out before the Lord. What does your preparation on Sunday mornings look like? You ask yourself. Take your own temperature. Are you taking time to prepare your heart for the service so that when we come here we're in one accord in one place. Because when we do that we learned at the very beginning that we'll hear a sound. But we can't do that if half of us are showing up irritated or just had a fight or saying come on Bobby do your walk around and your spin make me happy. He said he's more animated than me. Let me wait till next week. But are you preparing your hearts? Somebody said to me this morning, as I walked through that door, I could feel a change in the room. I could physically feel something touch me when I walked into the room. That's our desire every week, that when you come, that you're prepared so that we can usher in the presence of the Lord. He's already here and desires to pour himself out. Are we willing and able and ready to receive? We've said it so many times, but the great thing about it is we come, we've spent time in prayer, we've spent time in His Word, we sought His face, we're in a right position, and we come and say, Lord, I'm ready to pour out all that I have for you. And you leave and you realize, wow, how's it even possible that I came? I'm leaving more full than I when I came. We desire to give something to Him, but in return, in His economy, He gives so much more back to us. meet your expectation. Are we taking every opportunity to come to church and not allowing the smallest of circumstances to get in the way of you assembling with your community? 
We are incomplete when you are not here. Now I understand. I'm missing two weeks this month. I'm going on vacation. You go on vacations, people get sick. I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about is it a priority in your home to be in the house of God? Period. Is it a priority in your home? Is it woven, woven in the fabric of your household that on Sundays we go and meet with the Lord? If your children ever ask, are we going to church today? Then I would say no. That it's not woven in the fabric of your household. If there's a question, are we or aren't we? Once, once again, we're incomplete without you. And I don't want you to miss out on what the Lord has what he's going to do. When I was going to school, I never, I, I don't know how many time, days of school I missed. Thank the Lord, I'm, I've been very healthy my entire life. Don't get sick a lot by his grace. But I never want to miss school because I was afraid I was going to miss out on something. Something was going to happen, something funny, some kind of something was going to happen at school, and it usually didn't. But something that, that I was going to miss out on. That's how I want it to be for you. I want you to come to church with an expectation to say, Lord, I want to be here to pour myself out because I don't want to miss out on what you have for us today. I don't want to come in the next week and hear about them talking, oh, wasn't last week's service so great? So we woke up and we, we played one chord and everybody, the glory of the Lord fell and everybody was all on their face all over the place and we missed it. Oh, man. That was great to hear about, but Lord, if I could have experienced it. That's what I want for you. I want us to desire that for our lives. Ask the Lord to give you opportunity to share his goodness to random people around you. You know what will help you encourage your study? It's having random people start to ask you questions. Oh, I'm not going to talk to people then. (laughs) Forget that. But sharing his goodness. Seek out opportunity to serve in the house. Because the more you do, the more you'll have a heart for this house and most importantly, for this people. You know, we celebrated today. We had a little fire. We don't owe anything on this building anymore. You know, this building means nothing. It means nothing. And this is coming from someone who came here almost three times a week during the construction just so I could see if they put up one more two-by-four. I was so excited about it. But at the end of the day, I don't care if we're meeting in a broom closet. This building means nothing. This right here. is not Grace Emanuel. This right here is. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You are. 
We're a family. Sometimes when we have family, we have uncomfortable conversations because we want the best for our family. I want you to know that I love you. So I ask you again, are you hungry for more of the Lord? I would ask, we don't do this very often, so I'm going to ask that you respect it. I'd ask everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes. No one looking around, please, and doing the thing that I used to do and kind of squint and then kind of peek to see what was going on. I'd ask you not do that. But you're saying, Lord, I've heard what you're saying today, and I feel that I recognize I don't have the hunger that I should. Lord, I, I, there's, I want more of what you have. But here's a caveat. Knowing you the way I know you, I know that everyone would raise their hand for that. That's not what I want today. If you are willing to make the changes necessary so that your desire is mirrored by your efforts and your actions. Now, don't confuse efforts. It's not things that we're doing. But there are behaviors that we need to change. There are things that we need to purpose. If you are willing to say, I am going to change my behaviors to mirror my desires for my hunger for the Lord. I'm not even going to look. It's between you and the Lord. I'd like you to raise your hand and say, Lord, I declare today that I'm going to make changes in my life. Lord, I'm going to do things differently than what I have before in the past because I want different results. If you declare that today, raise your hand if you have not already. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord. Lord, you saw the hands. I didn't even. Lord, you see their hearts. We ask that we take these words and hide them in our heart that we wouldn't sit against you. Lord, that as we leave here and tomorrow morning, Lord, that we would be reminded of the things that we need to change. We would even journal and write the things down that we purpose so that we can hold ourselves accountable as the decision that we made today. We're done playing church. We want all that you have for us, Lord. We want our generation to be the one that sees your mighty move across this nation. We want all that you have. We thank you, Lord, that you desire to pour out upon us. That when we hunger and thirst... For righteousness' sake, we shall be filled. We pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. You're dismissed.